It was a cold day in Manchester in 1979 when a young photographer called Kevin Cummins put his eye to his viewfinder and looked out on a band of musicians every bit as dour as the cityscape around them. In front of him were Joy Division, not yet an iconic band, but at that moment only a click away from it. The photos taken that day and on many occasions afterwards by Cummins helped nourish the bleak myth that endures, cemented by lead singer Ian Curtis's death by his own hand a scant year later. But according to the photographer, one of the main difficulties he faced that day was getting a shot that didn't show the band messing about. I spoke to Kevin Cummins on the release of Joy Division, a survey of his photographs of the band. Was its release prompted, I began by asking, by a resurgent appreciation of the Manchester band, and indeed their image, by a younger generation of musicians. I think the thing is with Joy Division, they're more relevant now than they ever were, because I think this generation of bands who's come along, like Interpol and the editors and White Lies, Reference Joy Division, so shamelessly maybe. They are almost tribute bands. <laughs> uh, Joy Revision, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they even dress like them, so it's interesting as well how relevant they are in the States because, you know, to, you have to contextualise it slightly and remember that when Joy Division were playing, outside of Manchester and London, they were playing to very small audiences. People didn't really know them. And when Ian died, it rarely raised two paragraphs in the Manchester Evening News, whereas now it'd be splashed everywhere. I was interested in portrait photography, and the people I studied were photographers like August Sander and Diane Arbus and Bill Brandt. Um, and I used to go to... I was obviously into music, and I, I used to go to gigs to shoot gigs and take the college camera bag with me as a way of getting into gigs free. Um, it wasn't as regimented as it is these days. And then punk happened in Manchester and everyone wanted to be in a band and I had no interest in that, so I was quite keen to shoot them. And it was much easier ringing one of your contemporaries like Buzzcocks or somebody than ringing... Rod Stewart or Genesis or whoever. And I'd just shoot relentlessly. I'd sh any, any gig in Manchester, I'd, I'd shoot, and I'd shoot the support band. And then I was commissioned to do a session with them, with Joy Division, um, in December or January 79 for the NME. And it was snowing the weekend, I was doing the pictures. And um, I almost cancelled the session, um, which is quite ironic as it's become the session that defines them, really. Radio, live Radio, live the most famous picture, I guess, from that session is a, a very wide shot of a a footbridge in Hume in Manchester and the band are on the on the crest of the the hill and they're quite far away and it's very unrock and roll. You could almost do the shot without the band in and it would tell you everything about that band's music, which is what I was hoping to do with the shot.
I guess I felt I had a responsibility to people outside of Manchester to show what Manchester was like. And I know that seems quite trite now where anybody can get on a train and plane and go anywhere they like in the world within a few hours. But then we didn't travel very much. We didn't go out of Manchester very much. And people from London certainly didn't come up to Manchester. And so they'd look at these pictures and think, have you just sent us a picture of East Berlin? Why have you, where, why have you done this session there? And we said, no, that's what Manchester looks like. And so I, that was, I felt that was my responsibility to show where these bands were from. And also I felt it captured the, you know, the brickwork and the ironwork, captured the sound of the city as well a little bit. When, when I did the Joy Division session in the snow, I had two rolls of film with me, that's all I could afford to take. And so whenever the band were messing around and pulling faces and trying to make Ian laugh, I couldn't take pictures of it because I felt every frame I shot had to count. And at the time, I didn't want people to think of Joy Division as a lads band particularly. I wanted them to be serious young men and be defined like that. And so I sometimes had to stand there for five minutes or more while they were messing around and think, please stop trying to make him laugh, please stop laughing, I can't take a picture of this. Did the band allow the images to feed back into the music? Did they look at the images that you were producing and say, actually, you know, there are ways that that now informs what we want to do? Well, I think subconsciously they do, and um, I interviewed Bernard quite extensively for the book, and I said to him that I felt they'd done that, and I also felt that when, um, when I shot the picture on the bridge, for instance, that it was so bleak and sparse, it very much captured their sound at the time. And he said, but we didn't think our music was bleak or sparse. You know, they don't understand how fans and other people appreciate what they're doing. They have a very different idea of their sound. In fact, until Martin Hannett, uh, well, when Martin Hannett um, produced the album, they hated it because they just wanted to sound like a rock band. And Martin gave them a very, very special sound. In fact, you know, it, sound, it still sounds contemporary when you listen to it today. But at the time, you know, it, left to their own devices, they'd have probably ended up like Bon Jovi or something. The voice of Ian Curtis there, and I was speaking to Kevin Cummins, whose book, Joy Division, is out now from Rizzoli. 